Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 59 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. Today is Thanksgiving 2022. I'd like to stop and reflect on all we have to be thankful for. Of course, I am mostly thankful for my family and our living in the greatest country in the world. We truly have much to be thankful about. We are enjoying the fruits of all Americans that went before us. I'm also thankful for the free press and the thousands of reporters out there searching out and reporting on interesting articles. I get a lot of ideas and information from news articles. Today, there was an article in the Colorado Sun on hydroponics and how successful it can be. It made me think about our water use and how we can use water better. During this podcast series, my mantra has been that we are not using water for the highest and best use in this state. It seems a waste to use water to grow low-value crops like cattle feed in an arid or semi-arid climate. The rejoinder from the ag community is always, well, what are we going to eat? I have two responses to that. First, for our grain and meat products, we're going to eat products from the Midwest where they don't have to irrigate. And secondly, for winter vegetables, I have always thought that we need to protect ag in the Imperial Valley of California and the irrigated agriculture near Yuma, Arizona. But after today's news article, I'm not so sure about that. According to the article in today's Colorado Sun, two brothers in South Denver are growing lettuce, arugula, basil, and romaine inside two shipping containers sitting on a 7,500-square-foot lot. Inside these two containers, they are growing the equivalent of a 10-acre farm. A 10-acre farm will consume about 10 acre-feet of water, or approximately 3 million gallons. The brothers are growing their crops on 5 gallons of water a day, or less than 2,000 gallons a year. Remember, the products they're growing is equivalent to what would come from a 10-acre farm. That's less than one one-thousandth of a percent of the quantity of water that it would take to farm their vegetables the old-fashioned way. Colorado's increasing water challenges led them toward water-stingy hydroponic farming and to the equipment catalogs of storage container outfitters. Yes, there are suppliers who build storage shipping container grow pods. Just Google shipping container farms. It is a growth industries. Here's what one says. Grow pods are modular, stackable, and mobile vertical growing container farming solutions that produce luxury superfoods in any location. They are fully insulated, food-grade shipping containers that can be turnkey ready to grow the herbs and vegetables of your choice. 
Inside a grow pod, the air and water are filtered, and since it is a sealed environment, there is little chance for contamination. LED lights are purposely designed to emit only select wavelengths, which plants are able to absorb for photosynthesis. They can be used for growing a wide range of horticultural and agricultural products in all environments and climates. You get a significantly higher yield that grows faster while consistent in keeping the horticultural contamination free. Container outfitters even offer two-day boot camps on vertical farming. This is no longer rocket science or pie-in-the-sky concepts, and it avoids the vagaries of hailstorms, early frost, windstorm, dry days that are hot and hard on plants. Nick Milliser, one of the brothers in the article, said, We're not the only ones doing this, you know. I would love to say that we're the pioneers behind this, but a lot of smarter people have basically led us to this point where this technology is almost automatic, Milliser added. It's so easy. I mean, I have zero experience farming other than growing some stuff in my mom's garden as a kid. Technology changes. Other than conversion from mule and plow to diesel tractors, there has been little change in how we grow our crops. Till the soil, plant the seeds, weed the soil, and water the hell out of them. Hydroponics could change all that. Rising world population, scarce water amid climate change, and urban neighborhoods neglected by fresh food stores. These are multifaceted reasons why we're seeing this surge in interest, said Josh Craver, an assistant professor in controlled environment horticulture at Colorado State University. It's not hard to see pretty quickly that you can produce per square foot way more food in these containers than you can in the field, Craver said. There's almost zero water use in the latest designs. No contamination of runoff with excess fertilizer or pesticides. Precise control of nutrients. Efficient LED lighting powered by clean electricity. A full outfitted container with 24,000 individual LED pinpoint lights and temperature controlled at 68 to 70 degrees costs about $170,000, Nick Milliser said. His garden can grow 500 varieties of produce to meet the whims of the market and tweak the grow lights for goals as esoteric as the optimal color of a red lettuce leaf. Accelerating efficiencies in lighting and heating have powered the surge in hydroponic container farms, said CSU's Craver. Old grow lamps built up too much heat, while improved LEDs 
produce precise photons that the plant can employ for photosynthesis. As the water drips down the wall channels and then recirculates, sensors constantly check pH and mineral levels, among other growth factors. Reserve tanks dribble in supplemental adjustment to the mix at the touch of the iPad. Key inciting the containers is pouring concrete footings at a 2% tilt to guarantee the water flow. Most varieties started from seeds are ready in six to seven weeks. Harvesting means clean scissors trimming the walls or pulling whole heads with root balls. Negotiating with individual restaurants may not be the full business model, but many restaurants look for local supply and restaurants like to have input into the varieties. Another market outlet is to have a farm share program. Farm share subscriptions are popular in summer and fall, with buyers picking up or getting delivered a box of outdoors-grown seasonal items ranging from lettuce to tomatoes to squash. These are fairly common with local farmers, but the outdoor shares run out by late fall, where pod growers can deliver lettuce, herbs, and other greens year-round. Assistant CSU Professor Craver said, A prime calculation in close-quarters farming is which plants draw top dollars for the space they take up. Corn is all fibrous scaffolding, producing a handful of kernels that sell for 25 cents an ear. Root ball lettuce is nearly 100% edible and can retail for 5 or $6 a head. With more pod farms coming into the market, it will soon be clear which vegetables are best grown hydroponically. There are large hydroponic operations in Metro Denver that appear to be thriving, Craver said, and smaller operations are busy figuring out their cost and a workable scale. When you look at the business model, it definitely does work, Craver said. And the products taste great. The emerald green basil snaps with a hint of licorice. The arugula is laced with wild mustard flavor. The butter lettuce, sold with root ball intact, has an earthy flavor belying the fact that the growing walls are purposely insulated from any local dirt. If I were a farmer with millions of dollars of water rights that a city wanted, I'd cash in and look at the hydroponics industry. As a 20-year drought creeps even further up the Colorado River Basin, it probably will impact the amount of water allowed to be imported from the Colorado Western Slope to the Front Range. And most of that water goes to cities as their drinking supply. We must prepare, and there will be competition for water. 
I think we should do four things. One, encourage hydroponics. Two, encourage buy and dry. Three, revisit Two Forks Reservoir. And four, further investigate aquifer storage and recovery. The first is obvious from today's discussion. Number two, buy and dry will happen. It should be encouraged with as minimal impact as possible. One way to do this would be for the state to research ditches that are fairly senior and possibly designate farms under those ditches as some type of zone of state interest. The state should use tax breaks to encourage farmers under this particular ditch to sell their water to the cities. This probably will not happen in my lifetime because of politics, but I think this is a realistic solution. There are many senior ditches between Denver and Greeley that irrigate thousands of acres. Of course, there are also many other ditches in Boulder and Larimer counties that could be examined. And I remind you of that simple statistic that 85% of the water in Colorado is consumed by agriculture, and ag contributes less than 10% of the wealth of the state. Think about that. By acquiring 15% of farm water on the open market, cities would double their supply and ag would still have 70% of the water. And the farmers are handsomely, handsomely compensated. This would get us on down the road at least another hundred years. We still need reservoirs. I remember when Two Forks was denied an EPA permit because of a butterfly in the valley that would be inundated. Two Forks was, is, a great site for a reservoir and would have held almost 3 million acre-feet with 100,000 acre-feet firm annual yield. That's a lot of water. As stated earlier, times change, politics change, and needs change. I don't know if the butterfly issue could be mitigated, but I think two forks should be put back on the table as a possibility to meet our water needs, or at least maybe a smaller reservoir in that location. We need to look at all alternatives if we're going to get through our water crisis. And finally, groundwater should come back into play. Colorado recognizes that most deep aquifers do not recharge. They are a finite resource. Although that resource can be large, it is better to have some way to recharge water that is removed. The best way to use aquifers is as storage vessels, like Greeley is proposing. I know from talking to water engineers that the Denver Basin aquifers are being evaluated as possible aquifer storage and recovery. The trouble with ASRs is where to find the water to put into them. 
Two Forks is upstream of Denver and upstream of the South Metro area and would be a tremendous source of new water to put into ASRs if the Denver Basin aquifers are suitable for use as ASRs. These are my thoughts. We have plenty of water. It's just used in the wrong places. But it's all tied up with history, politics, and money. Our legislature knows the crisis is here. But inertia is hard to change, and there is a stagnant inertia regarding water. It is just too complicated, and no one is willing to tackle the problems. I hope one of our representatives will make water reform a priority and push changes that have to happen. The same should be happening throughout the Southwest states. Okay, these are my thoughts. Thinking about these issues is tiring. I'm going to stop on this Thanksgiving day, spend more time with my family, and take them with me to my favorite mountain stream. I hope you can join us. See you next time.